Hello, hello, and welcome back, or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett, and I am a child therapist who lives and works in the beautiful mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, and this is a podcast dedicated to children and play therapy coming at those things from a child-centered perspective. And I want to try something new on Playtime this week, so from time to time people write in with questions about the therapy they're conducting or questions they're having with their child, and I usually just answer those individually, but I'm considering uh, bringing it into the podcast itself. And Becky raged out this week, and thank you, Becky, for doing so, because she's having some issues with aggression with her three-year-old who, at bedtime, doesn't want to go to bed, and so they end up picking her up and taking her to her room, and then sometimes she's attacking them while they're in the room together, and it's it's hard to know what to do, like holding these boundaries, making space for her feelings, while also maintaining the structures that they want to maintain, and... With all advice on this podcast, take it with a grain of salt. Difficult for me to know exactly what's going on for anybody without working with them and without having that therapeutic time together to move through things and work through things. Not everything is as simple as having a quick answer, but this email brought up a number of thoughts for me that I wanted to share. And the first is that there are a number of parents these days who are doing things totally differently than they did before and in some beautiful ways and when we start diving into consent we can talk more about that but I've been exposed lately to ideas around not even having concepts like a bedtime allowing children to develop their own structure and routine and with things having some of those battles that we have with children and just removing them entirely and making things more child-centered all the way across the board and I feel like raising that up as an option, as an idea that I, for one, am child-centered. I love the idea of allowing children to develop their own relationship to the world, and that can include things like bedtime, and that can include things like screen time, and there are parents pushing the limits with these things who are having wonderful success. Uh, One resource for that would be Dana Martin's work on unschooling. And so that's one option, right, is to is to say that maybe we don't want to have a household where we have all these battles, and maybe we can find something else where these battles don't exist because we're allowing things to flow. Now, if you're like most homes and you've got a bedtime and you want your kid in bed by that time, I think with this email in particular was mentioning was wanting to get away from the aggression that Becky was finding that her daughter could be aggressive with her. And I, I feel like it's important to raise up that For a lot of these scenarios when I'm with parents and they don't want their kids to be physically aggressive, that I think as adults, we have to take a look at those times where we are initiating the physical contact ourselves, that if we don't want our kids to be aggressive, picking somebody up against their will is something that we can do as parents and as people, but that that is initiating physicality into the dynamic. That is initiating that I use my body. I use the parts of my body to control somebody else. And I, when I have a strong feeling as the adult, like I want you to be in bed by eight because that's the time. And I believe it's important for us to have this consistency. If you're wedded to that and then you use your body to physically move your child, it's, a, it's good to know 
that your child will often use their body back in response, that that's what they're learning inside of this dynamic as how things should go or will go. And I just think that that's such an important thing for all of us to keep in mind, that if we are going to use our bodies with children, that they're going to use their bodies with us, and then we'll be in a dynamic where we're telling them not to use their bodies, and that maybe checking in with ourselves as adults first of like, is there another way to go about this? Can some more patience be had? If they're in bed by 8.20, even though I really want them in bed by 8 o'clock, maybe so I can start to have my own time. But having a little bit more patience, developing some bedtime routines and rituals that the child can start to latch onto and be attached to, maybe cutting off some other kinds of things, some stimulating things, having things start to be settled down inside of the home, maybe moving yourselves as adults towards the child's bedroom, knowing that they'll come with you and that they'll follow you, that there's there's other ways to gently and patiently try to go about the whole thing. But when we escalate things as adults, Kids are going to escalate things with us, too, because we then end up in a battle with them over their freedom and what they can do and what they can't do. And that leads me to want to talk about consent and why I feel pulled in general to talk about consent beyond just what we were discussing there with the email that I received is that I've noticed a really beautiful shift in a lot of the families that I work with and even in with the culture in large in wanting to give children more autonomy, wanting to give children more sense of choice, respecting children's feelings. These are all beautiful shifts. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are likely a part of that beautiful movement that we're undergoing as a species already. So give yourself a pat on the back for participating in creating a better, more heart-centered world. But There are times when it can feel to me that things have maybe gone too far with consent. And I'll name a couple examples, or at least one example of that. And the one that clearly comes to mind, and this happens even when I'm just like out in a park or something, and there's a playground, and there's parents, and there's kids, and the parents will go up to their child and say, hey, are you ready to go? And... That's a lovely thing to ask somebody if it's from a genuine place, right? If it's just like, like, hey, I want to know if you're interested in leaving or if you'd like to stay longer. But I think often what parents are meaning to communicate with that is, hey, we're going to we're going to be leaving now. It's time for us to go. And instead, they're asking the child like, hey, are you ready to go? The child then, because children are generally pretty concrete, will respond to that with, no, oftentimes because they're playing or they're playing with a, with a friend or they're into whatever they're doing. They wouldn't actually choose to be leaving the playground or wherever it is at this moment. And then the parent moves into what they really wanted to say where it's like, well, it's time to go. And we've started a dynamic here at this point from a good place, from wanting to provide the child with a choice here, with an option for what they can do and what they can't do. And wanting to give them some agency in what's going on, perhaps even in general, the parent is working on, hey, I want to be asking my kid more how they're feeling or how they're doing or what they want. But there are circumstances when what's happening is just kind of what's happening. As adults, we keep things moving in life where we decide when we're going to leave a place. Not all the time. Maybe we let kids choose sometimes, but that's often how it happens. And so that's an example of a place where asking a child's consent for something doesn't really work unless we mean it, unless we mean it. And as adults, I think we're all very used to living inside of an authoritarian system. And by that, what I mean is that there's a hierarchy 
there's a hierarchy in many of the homes that we grew up in. The adults are in charge and the children aren't in charge. There's a hierarchy at school. The teachers and the principals are in charge and the students aren't in charge. There's a hierarchy at our jobs. We have a boss who's in charge. And we're used to having there be an authority of some kind. And I, I have noticed at times that parents who are attempting to use principles like consent when they're talking to their children, or who are attempting to give their children some autonomy and some power in their lives, often end up putting their child in the position of authority. The child always gets what they want. The parents can say things like, I don't even get to take a shower or use the bathroom or do any of the things I need to do because I'm constantly at their beck and call. And it feels like, at times, parents have unknowingly or knowingly just thinking it's what they're supposed to do. It's the system that they're used to. They've taken the adults being in charge and they've substituted that and put the child in charge. And what I can be afraid of in all of that is that that's not really what we're after if we're trying to have homes that say are more child-centered or homes where children are respected and are asked for their consent more of the time and whose feelings are welcomed is that... In that scenario of mutual respect, as the parent or as the caregiver, you still have your own thoughts and feelings which are important. You still have your own desires and things that you want to need to do which are important. And those things need to be a priority for you, regardless of what's going on with your child. And, you know, you might say, like, I, I, I need to take a shower. And your child's like, no, don't take a shower. Like, I want you to be with me. And then you could say, well, like, you're welcome to come in with me. For that, you can sit in the bathroom while I take a shower, but I'm going to take a shower. I need to get myself clean, but we can find a way for you to be near me if that's what you would like. And I use that as, as just one sort of random example that I've heard before, but I, and I feel like I'm off on a tangent that I didn't necessarily mean to be off on, but I'm trying to name the middle ground with all these things. Like if we're shifting as a culture to respecting children more, if we're trying to encourage parents to have more respect for their children. We need to watch those times as therapists where it feels like things have gone the other way and now the children are in charge because there's a middle ground with all these things. And if you find yourself too much on the other side of that dynamic of you're working with a family or you recognize as a parent in your own home that like, man, my child does not have a lot of choices and a lot of options and a lot of mutual respect that I'm constantly asking them to do things and then being upset with them about it, that there are other ways to go about interacting with your child as well. And I think that consent provides us with a framework and a lens for naming what can be helpful for children and helping them to feel more freedom in their lives. And even in simple ways, this can be used. Whenever I have to ask a child a question, and this could be a child that I'm working with therapeutically or just a child that I know in my life, I love asking them first, like, hey, can I ask you a question? And I've really almost never had a child say no, unless they're in like a really escalated state and then there already is some sort of a parent power struggle going on anyway. And in that circumstance, I probably wouldn't ask them if they uh, won't want to hear a question from me. But the rest of the time, even with children as young as, say, two or three, they'll, they'll look up at me and say yes. And there's something really nice even just about that little moment in particular. It is some sort of recognition of mutual respect. And I can feel that they feel respected in that dynamic and that they're really listening 
to the question that I'm asking them, I actually get something out of that too then, right? I'm getting their attention. I'm not just saying a question to them. But I've started off with that, hey, we've got some mutual respect going on here. And then I can ask the question. And I find that the answers then that I get from that question after I've asked for their consent oftentimes have more some more depth to them, oftentimes have some more honesty to them, oftentimes at least have them wrestling with it in a way because they've mentally prepared themselves to answer that question. And I might as well lay out my cards on the table at this point and say that I really do believe that giving children as much freedom as possible is very helpful for them and developing themselves as a person. And you, you can find this in a variety of different areas. You could say that children being able to dress themselves, children being able to follow their natural curiosity with things, children being able to make their own decisions and mistakes, it helps them learn, it helps them grow, it helps them develop, it helps them to become their own sense of authority. It helps them to, once they have their own sense of authority, be able to recognize when they're being oppressed by somebody else and that they have a sort of a natural aversion to that energy, but that children who are able to have a relationship to choices, able to make some decisions about things, able to feel like an autonomous being who is is respected, that I think that a child who feels that way, in my experience, is in less of a struggle with their environment to find freedom. That many of the struggles that children seem to get involved with with their parents, which seem to be around things like bedtime and screen time and you know, generally things like that, that those seem to be two areas in particular where children fight hard for their freedom. But it could be any sort of category where that happens, that children who don't have that freedom will end up constantly fighting against their environment to get it, and children that do have it live in more cooperation with their environments. And on some level, it's that simple. The more that we can apply the mutual respect that's inherent in consent into our parenting and our schools, the better off we're going to be and the better off those kids are going to be. The more that we're able to allow children to make choices, the better off they're going to be. And also recognizing as adults those times when it's like, hey, I'm intentionally giving this child choice around this, wherever it is. And maybe, you know, even pushing your edges a little bit if you're a parent or a therapist around like, okay, like I think that they can't make this choice, but I'm going to let them try. I'm going to let them move into this. I'm going to provide some space for growth. But then also, on the other hand, we can have some awareness around that, you know what, there are times when providing my child with an option around something, when I really don't want to give them an option around something, I want them to have a particular choice. That if we're saying to a child, hey, you get to choose on this. I'm letting you have some authority on this, that we have to mean it. We have to not hold in our hearts or in our minds that they should be making one particular choice. We have to allow them the freedom to make whatever choice they make and internally accept and still hold them with acceptance and with love as they're making those choices and not wishing that they made another choice because we recognize that the path that they will take is their own and will lead them wherever it leads them and we might not actually know what is best for them at the end of the day. And then it takes awareness for us as adults as well to know, and this comes up in therapy sessions all the time, that there are times when children do not have a choice. Children do not have a choice in my playroom about when they leave the session, ultimately. And generally, especially with play, because kids love to play, they want to stay longer. 
than the allotted time. And that's not an option. That's not a thing that I that I can do. And I don't present it as an option. I hold I hold that limit firmly. I hold it softly. I mean, softly in terms of like my tone and my voice and my being, but firmly in terms of like being consistent with it. And there are so many things that children do have control over inside of the space. And when they discover that freedom inside of the space, it feels like it makes it easier for them on the back end to be able to respect the things that they don't have choice about. And I think that that can be true for parents at home too. It makes your words seem like they make more sense because they will make more sense. If when you want your child to leave at a particular period point of time, it's like, hey, honey, it's time to go right now. And they're like, I don't want to go. I'm playing. It's like, I know you really don't want to go right now, but it is time for us to go. And maybe that happens a couple more times, but then with time, I promise that'll, that'll get easier with time. But um, my fear is that when we provide children with the illusion of a choice, when they don't actually have a choice, if we go into that situation saying, hey, honey, are you ready to go? And they say no. And then we say, well, it's time to go. What we have communicated in that moment is that your feelings don't matter in this situation. You've told me that you don't want to go, and I'm overriding you, and you're coming back at me with some energy, probably because the child on some level has had this conversation with you before and is saying, ah, she's asking me if I want to go. And I know that means that she's going to try to make me go, regardless of how I feel about it. That my parent is asking me how I feel, but they don't, that's not actually going to influence their decision on this. And it can make the child feel like their feelings don't matter. In the other scenario, and again, this is with something that there's not flexibility on, there is a decision to be made and something to do presenting the child with, it's time to go, and they say, I don't want to go, and then we say, I, I, I can tell you don't want to go. I can see it all over your face that you don't want to go, but it is time to go. That that is a different way of responding. That is a way of responding that names what they're feeling. That is a way of responding that accepts and respects what they're feeling and know how their feeling doesn't change the situation. But that's something that we all, on some level, have to learn in this life anyway, that there are times when our feelings... We can let our feelings make decisions. There are times when we can have choice and freedom. There are times we can give our children that opportunity to have choice and freedom, and that will expand them as a person, and that will make them a stronger and more developed and capable person. And that there are also times when life moves on. Life keeps moving. And even if we don't like what's happening, it might still be happening anyway, and finding a way to have that work as well. To be like, I'm really disappointed that I have to leave right now, but we're leaving. And living in living in a home that is more child-centered or mutually respectful, or however we want to put it, involves respect for the child, of course, respect for where they at, giving them choices when we can, and on the adult end, also involves respecting the adult, also involves respecting ourselves, also involves being able to just be really clear and straightforward about what's going on and when there's a choice and when there's not a choice and trying to give as much choice as possible and asking for as much consent as possible in terms of when we're having a child do something and they do have some agency in what they're doing and what they're not doing and also being very clear about those times when there's not that agency and choice, which helps empower those times when we are giving the children choices and helps them believe us that they actually have choice in those other moments because there aren't those other times when we're giving them the illusion of choice but not actually giving them choices. And even if it's just in small ways, like asking a child if it's all right to ask them 
a question or allowing the child a child the space and freedom to to do what they would like to do or to explore what they would like to explore or recognizing when they're curious about something and moving with that or giving them some some choices about like whatever it is whatever it is but allowing them to move into themselves as a person i think that there are areas Gosh, for me as a therapist, I'm sure for people who are parents and teachers, where we, we can experiment with that, we can play with that. And I, I promise for people who do, that it takes a little bit of faith and it takes a little bit of trust. And I know I began this podcast by talking about unschooling and people who have just sort of taken all the restrictions off of everything and allowed children to find their own way with things. And I think that that's beautiful. And, and any research done into people who are doing stuff like that can be very inspiring to see like how far can we stretch these child-centered principles and I think the answer might be pretty far but even if going that far feels like whoa that seems like way out of my comfort zone finding little ways to experiment with it removing those times where we give children choice when they don't actually have it and trying to give them as much choice as we can I think really can create a better world with stronger adults who have a clear defined sense of self who maybe then aren't used to this hierarchical model where their thoughts and feelings don't don't matter and they have to submit to somebody else and and for that reason i think then when they are in a situation where authority is trying to make them say or do or think something that feels oppressive to them that they'll be able to resist that and they'll be able to resist that from a stronger place and i think we need all the solid people that we can in this rapidly changing world that we live in And I feel like I was all over the map today, but that is it for this episode of Playtime. Thank you for listening. Check out patreon.com slash playtimepodcast if you would like to support the show, though it is offered for free and in the spirit of the gift. But any support provided um, warms my heart. It feels good. So thank you for those who have supported. Uh, If you'd like to get in touch with me, please do. My email is barnettchildtherapy at gmail.com. Just know in advance that I might feel pulled to share whatever you send in on the podcast though obviously ask for your consent before doing so and go to barnettchildtherapy.com to check out the child-centered children's books in addition to other content that i have available there and yeah i will catch you all next time